Hey, um, it's so good to have everyone here and to worship with you together. Um, those, uh, those words are powerful because they're true. Um, they remind us that uh, there is hope, that, uh, that there is life. Uh, if you've been with us uh, for any length of time, you know that we're in the middle of a series on heaven. Heaven's weird because uh, a lot of people talk about it, but very few people know anything about it. Um, it's sort of like, you know, fruit loops and tangerines in the sky, and, and nobody really knows well, what, what, is it, what is it like. And what's crazy is the scriptures have a ton to say about heaven. Uh, we've, we've seen that it's like a real place with real people, human life. Um, there's an economy, a kingdom, um, where people are doing things there, not just playing the harp or whatever, but actually like engaging in projects and, and being with each other and living. And uh, we found that like any other kingdom in heaven, there are kings and queens, there are princes and princesses, there are dukes and duchesses, there are people who, um, they're, they're Christians who've lived a particular kind of life, and as a result, they're exalted in heaven in a way that not every Christian is. Not every person who's in heaven has the same level of, of, of glory and honor. And we've been talking about the crowns that the New Testament teaches about. Different ways that, uh, that you can be one of these people who has an eternal life that is superlative and, 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 and majestic. Uh, we, we talked about the crown of life. It's uh, reserved for those who suffer or even, sometimes even martyred for the faith. That's uh, a special... Uh, some, a special reward is reserved for them in heaven. We talked uh, about the, uh, the, the victor's crown. God uh, gives every person who's believed a mission. And sometimes that mission is, is, is communal, it's corporate, sometimes it's individual. But whatever God has called you to do, your vocation, your, your task, if you complete that, if you, go, if you stay the course and you endure and you, and you complete that mission, there's a crown, a reward laid up for you in heaven. Uh, last week, we talked about the crown of righteousness. It's reserved uh, for those who live lives that are in, in conformity with the way Jesus teaches, who live holy lives. And we saw that holiness isn't like being religious, and it's not, you know, being stuffy and arrogant and, and, and self-righteous. It's actually just living the way that we all wish deep down that we would live, because it, it blesses those around us, and it's the way that Jesus taught us to live. Today, we're talking about the joyous crown. Crown of joy. It's kind of awkward. It happens from time to time uh, where you're on the airplane and the person next to you, because when I'm on the airplane, I put my earbuds in immediately and they're noise canceling, so I just pretend like I don't know that the person wants to talk to me. I just look out the window because I, I do not need any more single-serving friends. I'm good. Uh, and yet, and yet uh, occasionally what will happen is there will be someone who's very persistent and uh, they're, they're tapping me and like, dude, talk to me. Like, finally, okay, what do you need? Like, have you met my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And it's like, oh, yes. But that doesn't stop them. Don't, don't think you're off the hook just because you said yes. Uh, and then there's this, you know, maybe if, you're, if you uh, experience something like this or you answer the door and there are some people in short white sleeve t-shirts and ties um, and they want to share uh, with you, want to come into your home. That's very awkward. In our culture. Um, and, and I'm not knocking it in general, but it, it's very strange because uh, evangelism or you know, people trying to share their faith is something that's very uncomfortable in our culture because we don't live in a culture where people are involved in each other's lives very much. In fact, as um, the United States has, has, has become more wealthy over the years, we've become less and less involved in each other's lives to the point where now your home is your castle. You've heard that. And it's a sanctum and, and no one's allowed in and, and, and you just... It, you, it, you, 
there's like, you want to build a moat around it because we want to be so safe and, and isolated from all these weirdos that are out there. And if you are a believer, you might think that, well, you know, we are supposed to sort of share our faith. We are, I mean, this is the good news. It gives me life. It makes uh, everything about my life have meaning. It's full. And yet I don't, I mean, is it really worth going through all of the, the awkwardness of trying to like, you know, go through different layers of familiarity with somebody to, and maybe if you're, if you're, um, if you're not a Christian, you don't identify that way right now, like, you, you, you might be like, uh, I, I really, I'm not sure that I really want people to become knocking on the door and like, and like crashing into my, this is my space. Uh, the bottom line is that evangelism is awkward. Um, and the question is, is it worth it? Is it worth trying to break down barriers? Is it worth trying to get involved in each other's lives? Is it worth um, getting to know people and, and being a part and, and, and bringing to a place where you can talk about, I mean, if you're a believer, presumably the most important thing in your life is your spiritual life. And, and, and if, you're, if you're not, then presumably you assume that that is the most important pers- part of, of others' lives and you might be interested, but you're not sure how to, to get there. We talk about that today, and to do so, we're going to um, be uh, looking at uh, Paul's uh, letter to the Thessalonians. Paul was uh, the, an apostle of the church. He went out and started churches everywhere. That was his mission. One of the churches he started was in a, a place called Thessalonica in ancient Greece, or ancient uh, Near East. And uh, he writes this letter to them. He says, Likewise, you know how we, and Paul's uh, talking about him and some other missionaries that had gone to Thessalonica to start the church. You know how we treated each one of you like a father treats his own children. We appealed to you. We encouraged you and pleaded with you to live lives worthy of the God who is calling you into his own kingdom and glory. We also thank God constantly for this. When you accepted his word that you heard from us, you welcomed it for what it really is. Instead of accepting it as a human message, you accepted it as God's message. And it works effectively in you who are believers. I have a little dot, dot, dot there. I'm skipping a few verses. um, Just because these verses historically have been used by the church uh, to endorse anti-Semitism, which is not what they're about, but we don't have time to talk about it today. So if you're interested, um, you can follow in the Pew Bibles on uh, page 623, and you can read some of those verses if you're interested. I'd love to talk to you about um, anti-Semitism and why it's not a Christian thing. The first thing I would say is that Paul, who's writing this, was a Jew, so he was probably not an anti-Semite. Anyway, all right, moving right along to uh, verse 17. Brothers and sisters, we were separated from you for a while physically, but not in our hearts. We made every effort in our desire to see you again face to face. We wanted to come to you. I, Paul, tried over and over again and Satan stopped us. What is our hope, joy, or crown that we can show off in front of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Isn't it you? You are our glory and joy. There's that crown. Um, I, I, I said a few weeks ago that I think crown language may be metaphorical. Uh, in the New Testament, like, I don't think that literally in heaven we're probably going to have, like, crowns walking around. Partially because if you have multiple crowns, it would be hard to stack them. And partially because of uh, this text, where, um, notice that uh, the, the crown is actually not a crown, it's people, right? Um, yeah, look at this. What is our hope, joy, or crown that we can show off in front of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Isn't it you? You are our glory and joy. You are the crown, Right? 
um, that show off in front of our Lord Jesus. Really, it is. I mean, it's the, the image that Paul's giving um, in, in the Greek. There is he's like he's like when when Jesus comes back, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna step out. And, and all the Christians, that, that all the people who've come to believe in him, who are going to enter into his kingdom, are going to be there. And, and, and you guys are going to be there. And I'm going to point at you, and I'm going to look at you, and I'm going I, I, I was part of that. I helped make that happen. They, they're, all, they're here because I went and I, and I reached them. They, they bring me joy, glory. It's like um, the, little, the, the boy scout who worked really hard for that badge, and he's shut, you know, look, look, look. Look at what I did. It's like, I know that um, multi-level marketing, very popular these days. And Paul's sitting there, and he's like at the top of the um, multi-level marketing. And, uh, and, <laughs> and he's, like, he's like, look, I shared the faith with these people. And then they internalize it, and they shared the faith. And there's, there's children and grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren of faith. And it all began because I followed this mission, and I went out for it, and I, and I accomplished it. And, and, and Lord, I'm proud of what I've done. First thing in your note sheets is, um, is, is this. The joyous crown is those who have come to know Jesus because of us. You might even call it the evangelism crown. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a special status or a reward um, for those Christians who get out of their comfort zone and find ways to encourage other people to, to become part of the faith. And in heaven, that will be something that is really, um, really desirous. People will really want to be a part of that. What do I have next? Yeah. So, if that's true, then really, I mean, well, okay, we, we, we're, we're all part people who are a part of a market economy, right? We understand that success uh, comes from, you know, coming up with the best business strategies to achieve goals. And, um, and I, I was actually reading a, um, there's a church uh, that has a, a report card every year, and they have a thing called um, uh, the Key Progress Initiatives, right? And they grade themselves every year on their Key pro- Progress Initiatives. And, uh, and, and there's a, a, a line, the very first line is like, number of people who've become Christians. And so uh, every year they tally up every person who has made a profession of faith, and they, and they put that number in, and that's part of the report card. And if that number's too low, then the church gets like a D. The church has failed, but if that number is high enough and they've met their quota, then um, then the church gets A, right? And and the reason this is because you know if you start following the way that Paul's thinking, and you're American and you're a capitalist and you kind of have that sort of mentality, you're like, well, this is a numbers game, right? I mean, isn't that what we should be like? If I really remember multi-level marketing, right? If you want the bottom of that triangle to be super wide, you really got to get cracking. Right? And, 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 and so you might even see how people who are like, well, I really want to get motivated, um, to, to, to do what God wants and I, and I want to have the best possible experience of heaven. So I have got to just get a whole bunch of numbers. And so people who by themselves are like, you know, actual individual people with histories and lives, they get reduced to numbers, sort of like the way the IRS treats us. Which is what everyone wants at church, right? Well, it's interesting. I think if we pay attention to Paul's language, I think he actually mili- he, he pushes against this. He does not want us to think about it as a numbers game. 
he wants to think about us, uh, wants us to think about it in a different way. And so I want to uh, look at the text again, but um, I think first we want to just jump over to another place where he talks about this, this crown, uh, the crown of joy. In Philippians 4.1, he says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and miss, who are my joy and crown? Remember, you are the joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. That's interesting, right? So, I mean, they've already said, they've already said the sentence. They've already believed in Jesus. What is so important about them standing firm in the Lord? Why does he follow up with that? Let's keep that in mind and go back to our text. Uh, he says this, Likewise, you know how we treated each of you like a father treats his own children. How is that? Well, if you're a good dad, it does not involve a lot of beatings, just a few. It's more like we appealed to you. In, I'm kidding. We're not, we do not endorse child abuse. Jeez. Okay. The thing is, every time I say something like that, there's somebody who's like, I can't believe you hate kids. I'm like, it's a joke. Love my kids. We treated each of you like a father treats his own children. How? We appealed to you, encouraged you, and pleaded with you to live lives worthy of the God who is calling you into his own kingdom and glory. Uh, the, the language there, appealed, like making arguments. So if you're a, a parent and you're trying to get your kid not to do something dumb, you're like, here's a reason why you should not touch that flaming stove. It will cause pain. Right? That's not, that you're making an appeal, a rational appeal. And the kid's like, I don't have a good brain. I don't care. Right? So then you move on to encouragement. Oh, you didn't touch it? Good job. Good job. That's awesome. And then the, the child's like, ooh, I like that. Unless your child doesn't care about your approval. In which case, you have to move to pleading. And that's where you're like, please don't do this. It's going to get you. Please, just please don't. And if you're lucky, if you're fortunate, then the child won't touch the stove. In this case, Paul's saying, like a parent, like a father, I was, I was trying to, to get you to live a life that's worthy of the God who was calling you into his own kingdom and glory. Later on in, in our text, he says this, um, gosh, I, I, I made every opportunity, every, every chance to try and see you. I wanted to come to you. You know, it's the ancient world. They don't have uh, planes and stuff. And, and Paul would probably stay in a church for six months, sometimes years, before moving on to another. And then when he had an opportunity, he would try to travel back to see people that he'd, he'd, he'd met. And, and, and he, he says here, I, I desperately wanted to do it. I couldn't. Satan got in the way. What is the deal? What is so important to Paul? Why is it so important to him to be able to go back and to, and to see the people that he, he, he loves, to, to see these people that are his joy and crown? Why is it that he's, he's telling them, stand firm in the Lord? Uh, why is he he's ask, begging them to walk worthy of the God um, whose kingdom and glory they're about to enter? What is really down there? There's a part of it where he just loves them. He just loves these little scamps. And he wants to see them do well. But there's something more. He's worried about him. Every one of us knows um, a parent who um, did everything they could. And uh, little Johnny, you know, goes off to school or whatever. And little Johnny just off into, that hurts. All of us, um, if you've been in the church any length of time, you know that, uh, you know, people come and go. And people fail a lot. You know, people are people. <laughs> and and, and we, we, we want to see um, 
Jesus changed lives, and, and we believe that happens, but we're also realistic about the fact that sometimes things go sideways. So imagine, imagine if Paul went to all these churches and he got all these converts, and it turns out that all these people are like, they do the Christianity thing for a couple years, and they're like, okay, I'm bored, I want to move on to something else, and they just drift off. Jesus comes in his kingdom and his glory, and Paul's like, hey, look, look at, oh, Look at all the, all the, oh. I mean, they're there. They're going into the kingdom, but, but, but Jesus is like, really? This isn't what I really wanted. What I really wanted was people who were transformed and committed. People who saw meaning and purpose in their life uh, according to my will and my desires. I wanted people who understood and knew me. I wanted people who, who were passionate for me in the way that I'm passionate for them. These people are kind of like, well, I mean, they're in, but... What kind of crown or glory is that for Paul? Next thing in your note sheets is, um, is that our joyous crown can be tarnished if new believers aren't dis- discipled to maturity. Straight up, if you're here and you're like only marginally involved in church or religion, I'm just going to be honest with you. I am, I'm here not, I'm here to indoctrinate you. I want, I want you all in, okay? This is not like one of these things. I mean, look, we can take time. You can dip your toe in the pool, you know, acclimate. I get all of that. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to twist your arm. But ultimately, what I'm really after is I'm after you to be the kind of person who really is, loves Jesus deeply and really believes that his way is the right way, that his life is the real life. That's what I want. What I don't want, and I think what Paul didn't want, is that he didn't want the gospel to go out and people to be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to go live my life now. I believe it, sure, but now I'm going to go live my life. Because then when Jesus came, he, he, he I tried, I guess. And that's the problem. When we start to think about, you know, like, oh, I'm going to earn, you know, a bunch of rewards in heaven. I'm going to get more for me. I'm going to play the numbers game. I'm going to hit my quotas and make sure that I've got, you know, an A plus for a number of people converted and baptized every year. If, if we start to play that game, what you do is you reduce people to numbers. And what they end up doing is they just fall away because you're not invested in them. You got it, you ticked off your box and you got no more time for them because they've fulfilled whatever, you know, you thought that they were supposed to fulfill in your life. But that can actually bring another problem. So, okay, fair enough. All right, we're not here to get, reach our, our evangelism quota. That's not the goal. We're here to, to, to disciple and to, and to get people who are all in, sold out for Jesus, right? Well, okay, let's say we do that. What happens if we fail? I mean, what do we say? Oh, gee, I tried my best and I, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of pressure on us. Right? To be like, you know, to do this and that and this and that. And it, it's, that could actually weigh quite heavily on you. You feel like, well, I'm, I'm trying, but it's, it's, it's not working or I'm not as successful as I want to be. And look at all those other guys over there. They're super successful. They're creating all kinds of like little Christian automatons. And they're all like little robot Christians doing Christian things. And I'm failing. Look, let's look at the text um, again. Listen to what Paul uh, says. Paul's worried about the Thessalonians. He wants to make sure that they are discipling, that they are really following and sold out for Jesus. But notice what he says. He says, we also thank God constantly for this. When you accepted God's word that you heard from us, you welcomed it for what it truly is. Okay, we gave you this word. We shared the gospel with you. But you understood something about it that's really important. It's not just a human thing that we made up. 
Instead, you, ex- you accepted it as God's message, and really in the Greek, God's word, right? With a capital W, God's word, the, the, the truth about the universe directly from God. And what we know about God's word and what Paul believes about God's word is it works effectively in, those, in you who are believers. When the word of God comes and settles in people's hearts, it does things. I can be as charismatic or as persuasive or as irritating or as whatever, but it's not going to change anything. What really changes things is when the word of God settles in our hearts and we start to hear it and it starts to transform us because we recognize this is true about God. This is something that he's sent. It's his power. It's his spirit. It's his truth. Now, we can be vessels for that, but ultimately, God is the one who is at work. It is his word that is effective. So if you're, you, you're like, okay, I'm not going to play the quota game, but I am going to play. I want to create disciple game. Before you go off the deep end there, and before you really decide that you're going to show what you can do with your muscles and your brains and your silver tongue, before you know this, this is the next thing in your note sheets, I think. Yes, we can participate with God in discipling new believers, but it is ultimately God's word that brings maturity. God wants to participate with you. He wants you to be a part of his work. But dude, it's his work, not yours. God wants to see uh, people's lives transformed. He wants you to be a part of that. He wants you to play your role. But guess what? He's doing it, not you. And so if things fall apart and, and, and you're like, you've invested all this time, this energy, and someone walks away, it's not on you. All you can do is, is, is be a, a vessel, be a cipher, a proxy for God's word to enter into people's lives. And if you do that and you're faithful in that, let him do the work. His work will be done. You do not have to take responsibility for that. So I was trying to, um, I was trying to be cute. I was trying to come up with a, uh, like an image to sort of get what the joyous crown is about. And I was working really hard. I was thinking really hard and and nothing was coming. And I was having breakfast, um, with, uh, one of our, our people here, John Varela. And John was like, you know, um, one thing that you should remember is that, uh, is that the Bible is the truth and the Bible is the, the God's word is what's effective and powerful. And I was like, that's weird. I've been studying that all week. I didn't say that because I didn't want him to get too big a head. Uh, I wanted, you know. Uh, but it was funny. It's, it, when, I, when I went back to um, the office, I was thinking about that. And it was settling in my heart, and I realized that the perfect image for what um, evangelism and discipleship it is, is it's already in this passage. It's at the very beginning when Paul says, we treated you like a father treats his children. And I think what Paul's getting at is, is this. this um, I have a little image here. Oh. Apparently, <laughs> so, so apparently um, my parents, uh, they dropped me off at college. I went to school in North Carolina. And what they say is, like, after I, like, I think after I left or, I don't know, at some point um, I was gone and they realized that. And they said, they say that they cried all day long. Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> what a bunch of wimps. <laughs> Can't wait till my kids are gone. <laughs> Get out of here. Just kidding. I don't want them to leave. I love my kids. Uh, 
th- this moment here, this is the moment where um, what, what being a parent is all about, and it's really not just parenting, um, it's also coaching or um, teaching or anything where you are farther along and somebody else is not there yet, where you're bringing them along. But, you know, what Paul says, as a father treats his own children, um, you're, you, you've got this little, little baby, a little baby can't do anything for him or herself. A little baby is good for eating and pooping and crying and sleeping. That's about it. Your job, your goal, is to get from here, from here, over to here, over to there. That's, your, that's the goal. That's the end goal. It's when, when, when little Johnny t- finally turns 36 and moves out of the house, when he, when he gets there and he's ready to face the world because he's an adult. That's success, right? Now, what's, what's cool about this image, though, is uh, it's not just that um, little, little Johnny is off to be uh, a, an adult. It's that there's this sense of like, okay, mom and dad have given you everything we could. We, we've invested it, it all. We've, we've put it all in line. We've done the best that we can. And now, little, you're going to go flap your wings, and you're going to be all grows up, and you're going to fly, okay? And I'm confident that you can fly because we've prepared you. I've, I'm confident. But I'm also a little worried because I've seen a lot of people, like, you know, failure to launch. I've seen people crash and burn even though they've been um, encouraged and loved. Like, you know, the parents were great and all that, but, but still things didn't work out. So there's this moment of, like, of like yes, an expectation of joy and happiness, but also, like, a fear that, wow, I don't have control anymore and I've got to let... Um, things take their course. That's, that's, a, that's a tremendous moment. That's exactly where Paul is with the Thessalonian church. That's where everybody ought to be, all Christians, when they're engaged in bringing other Christians along. Um, also on Friday, I mean, the Lord was just dropping knowledge on me left and right. Uh, I got my hair cut, and uh, Stev, Stev, raise your hand. He's like, no, I refuse. He's like, I hate you. Steph's an incredible artist. Um, his, his, uh, his medium is hair, um, but he is an artist. And one of the cool things that Steph says is he, uh, when he brings on new like, assistants and stuff, he's not just trying to get them um, to do like, all of He's a taskmaster. He's a slave master. I do not envy anyone who works for him. But his, his goal is not to make their lives miserable. Instead, it's to get them to a place where they can be a successful hairstylist where they can be their own hairstyles. In fact, what would bring him joy would be to have someone come along and come under his tutelage, and he really does spend like a lot of time teaching them techniques and all this. He pours into these people, and the idea would be to see them go and flourish and maybe even become a better stylist than he is. That would be joy for him. He would be able to see somebody go from here all the way to here and to flourish, and then if that happens, when that person gives haircuts, he would come over and be like, look at that! Look at what I was a part of. I got to be a part of that. And now, and now check out how great that is. That was, I got to, I participated in that. That was something that I brought. Similarly, your kids go off to college and, and they, they, presumably they're successful. And then you get, I got to be part of that. I'm so proud of what they accomplished. And we were worried and we didn't know if it was going to happen. But it, it did, it worked, it flourished. That is the goal of every single person here with respect to faith and the people in the church. Who are you proud of? Here's the thing. 
What if we're not proud of anybody? What if we've been coming to church for years? We're faithful. We even try to get through the awkwardness sometimes and share our faith as much as we hate it. But we can't point to anybody and say, I was a part of that. I helped that person launch. I was instrumental in bringing them from here to here. I have ownership. They are my joy and my crown. Marilyn, let's go to the next slide. Just, and just hang out here for a bit. I worry. I worry that we have a ton of untapped resources here. I worry that we've got people who um, have so much to give and so much to share about faith and life, scripture, theology, what to do with, you know, suffering and pain, how to be successful in this, that, and the other. We have so much here, and I'm wondering, are those resources being deployed? Are we actively bringing people along? Or is evangelism so awkward that we've just checked out of the game? Are we invested in somebody or some group of people to get them from here to here? Or are we like, uh, you get paid to do it, Tom. You handle it. I don't get paid that much. No, I get paid pretty well. I'm imagining uh, what it would be like if, um, if every person in this room, and, and really those who are on vacation and those who are sick, and if we just gathered all the people who are connected to Coast, and we just got them all in one place, and if every single one of them made a commitment to say, I am going to get involved in somebody's life, somebody who's not where I'm at, and I am going to help bring them along. Just a couple steps, just a little bit, from here to here. This person is, um, they, they're not even sure about faith. I just want to get them to be, you know, interested and maybe, maybe ask some questions and, and have those questions answered. This person uh, isn't really familiar with a lot of the, maybe the Old Testament or the, some of the weird parts of the Bible. I want to get them so that they understand that and they recognize that. This person's battling with, with this, um, this, this sin, this anxiety, depression, addiction, whatever it is. And, and I want to help walk with them to get the, from here to there. What if every single person here began engaging in that? Began getting out of the comfort zone, stepping outside and saying, I'm going to engage with that. I'm going to be a part of that. And then every single person here would be involved in, in growth from others, that, remember, MLM, that person is going gonna, is gonna to share that with others, and, and, and there's this a cascade effect, a waterfall, an outpouring of people growing closer to God, living the way that Jesus lives, em, embracing his grace, knowing his love, and being transformed by that. Imagine what that would be like here in just this place, just this church. Imagine what that would be like if it was not just this church, but, but all the churches around here. Imagine the, the, the sickness and the rot that we deal with in our culture day to day, how that would be utterly pushed aside if person after person after person was invested in bringing more people along farther and farther, closer and closer to Christ.
I think it would be awesome. And I don't think that we would need to worry about hitting our quotas if we did that. So here's the deal. For that to happen, because human beings are by nature social animals, but also like a little bit like... Part of the issue is that we, you know, part of what we've talked about as a staff and on the elders is we've been talking about how we can be um, at the church, how Coast can be a place where we're helping you, helping you to make that step into other people's lives, to help break down some of those barriers, make, take some of the awkwardness of, of, of talking about faith and life and all that and removing that. And so what we've uh, been coming up with, and, and I'm just excited to share it with you, uh, we're, we're going to, starting in the summer, we, we've got a, a number of, of opportunities, things that are going to be happening that are designed specifically so that, you, that people, whatever, wherever you are and however, old, young, faith, not faith, super Christian, totally awful Christian, whatever you are. Um, also, if you're a super Christian, come on. That's just, that's so lame. Don't. We don't need any more super Christians. Lord, save me from your followers. I get it. Uh, <laughs> wherever you are, we want to have an environment that is, it's, it's, it's easy and it's fun where people can start to gel. See, people start to get connected. Okay? So the first thing is um, in, in June, you saw uh, Dogs Dodge and Deal. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, we're going to hurt some kids, which is going to be awesome. And, uh, and then we're going to uh, have Bunko and all that. It's just going to be a sweet time where people can come and just hang out. All right? And you get to know each other. Another thing that we're uh, working on is um, probably taking off again in the summer. We're going to start uh, doing... Um, Having some of our, our people open their homes uh, regularly, once a month probably, to uh, just have a couple of couples over. We used to do this. We stopped because, I don't know, we were tired, I guess. I don't know what we were doing, but we stopped it, and it was a terrible choice. Um, and, and so you'll be, have an opportunity to open your home and be with people who are younger, older, different, and yet at the same time still interested in faith. Last but not least, we're a church that encourages membership. We're in a culture that does not, uh, does not dig commitment, but unfortunately for our culture, God is a God of commitment. Um, God's defining characteristic is chesed. It's loyal, committed love. It's love that doesn't quit. It doesn't stop. It's relentless. It's the love we sing about every Sunday. It's the love that chases you down and pounces and comes after you. God is a committed God, and he wants people who share that commitment. And one of the ways that we express commitment here is membership. So uh, beginning either in the summer or possibly in the fall, depending on um, in- interest levels and how many we, we have, uh, we're gonna, um, st- I'm going to start hosting membership classes where you can say, hey, you know what? I dip my toe in. It was a little chilly, but not too bad. I think I can get into this thing. And, and it's an opportunity for you to come hang with me and, 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 and Aaron and the kids and, and start to find out what this place is about and what life could be like for you here. Not, no commitment. You know, it's not like, I feel like, I feel like I'm selling a, like a, a timeshare. <laughs> no commitment. It's, it's going to be like a two-hour hard sell. <laughs> But but you really can leave. No, it's not gonna be like that. I, I, it'll be super chill, I promise. Um, but uh, but be thinking about that. If 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 commitment and, and getting deeper and, and more involved is something that is a po- of possible interest to you, have that in the back of your mind because we're gonna be uh, rolling that out relatively soon. The bottom line, friends, is that we are not in a numbers game. 
We're not here to hit our quota. We're not here to, um, no, what we're really here to be a part of is to participate with God as he transforms people's lives fundamentally. We're here to be a part of a God who is taking broken, wrecked human wreckage and putting people together and setting them the way that they were meant to be so that they can go and live and flourish as he's called them to. That is what we're about. And I am desperate to see us take those first few steps to begin re-engaging that mission and to see what will happen in this place and in this world when we do. Let's pray. Gracious God, I pray that we will be a church filled with people who celebrate a joyous crown, who will be able to look and point at all of the lives that we've been a part of touching, all of the, the hearts and minds that we've participated with you as your spirit has, has changed and transformed by the power of your word. God, I pray our hearts will burn to see uh, people changed and, and, and brought to you, healed in every possible way, given life and hope and meaning, able to worship you in spirit and truth as you deserve. And God, I pray that we'll be faithful to, to fulfill that calling, that all of us will become evangelists. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.